Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Tendy Talk, presented by the BLPA Podcast Network. This week I chat with Chris Jenkins of the UK Goalie Network. Chris and I had it on our calendars to talk a few weeks ago, but he had hip surgery that pushed our recording back. It was fun to talk to him and learn about the hockey scene in the UK. I'm keenly interested in what goes on over there as my grandmother grew up in England before meeting my grandfather, an American soldier, during World War II and moving to the States. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation. Well, Chris, hey, thanks for joining me. I know it's uh, late your time, afternoon my time. <laughs> yeah, that's not too bad. It's uh, just coming up to 6 p.m., so not yep. too bad. I have to laugh. My uh, son was uh, letting me know. He's like, uh, do you have a podcast? Because I'm about to use some bandwidth on the playing a video game at some <laughs> fighter playing video game where they're recreating Dunkirk. And he goes, yeah, the, the person organizing it's from England. And I looked at him and he said, uh, the person I'm talking to for my podcast is from there too. He's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm just impressed that a uh, 12, soon to be 13-year-old kid knows what Dunkirk is. <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty impressive I, you could probably tell me more than i know about it to be honest. yeah <laughs> i could tell you where it is but that's about it yeah he's a little bit of a history geek so that that's all right <laughs> yeah so hey th- again thanks for uh joining me I, i've been following you on instagram for a little while uh, i don't know exactly how i came across your profile but uh i i saw the, the union jack and the goalie mask and i was like i gotta dig into this because i yeah. shared with you on uh, Instagram DMs, uh, my grandmother grew up there. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah. it's a little bit of a, uh, a, a soft spot in my heart for, for the motherland, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> I was lucky enough in 1996 when the Olympics were going on in Atlanta, we took a family trip out there and I got to meet, uh, the family that lives over there and my grandmother's brothers and see the little one room schoolhouse she went to school in and all that good stuff. So it was pretty fun. Brilliant. That sounds great. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember the first night we were there, we walked into the corner pub and I was wearing an Eddie Balfour jersey. And there was yeah. a guy sitting at the end of the, the bar and he knew exactly what it was. And he happened to be a Peterborough Pete's fan. And so we started talking hockey. And every night I'd go in there, he he had something else to talk about uh, regarding the world of hockey. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Now you get a few and far between sometimes but when you when you find that one guy that that knows hockey then you, you can never stop talking to him so. yeah so that brings up my first question is you know how in the um hockey hotbed of england did you <laughs> discover the sport uh well i lived in colorado for a few years as a kid so oh. um from 93 to 96 i lived in colorado and um 
obviously in 96 was the Avalanche's first cup. And I had uh, Patrick Wilde living in the same street, um, as well as uh, Mike Keane next door to him. So, um, so cool. having uh, the famous uh, Montreal and Colorado goalie living a couple doors down, and especially in that playoff run that they had as well, was uh, you, you couldn't get away from it. Um, no, you, you so couldn't. I was, I was kind of hooked. Yeah. Kind of hooked through the playoffs and um, would, uh, would play street hockey with their kids and stuff. And I went to school not in the same class, but uh, I knew Jonathan Waugh at school as well. Oh, very cool. Very cool. You know, I, I think that Stanley Cup final is vastly underrated. Even though it was a sweep, I think it was one of the better ones. I mean, it was what a triple overtime, one nothing game. That was just yeah, incredible. Game four, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was glued to my TV that whole series for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I remember, um, I remember just uh, stealing, uh, stealing pictures out of my neighbor's newspaper each morning. I was looking after their cats <laughs> for a week and uh, they, they came home to the, the sports section of their newspapers every, every day, missing a load of pictures of the avalanche. So. <laughs> that is awesome. So um, kind of funny that while you were here, I, I was over there <laughs> at one point. Pretty much. Yeah. About uh, um, the same time. Yeah. Uh, so interesting that, uh, you know, you spent some time, living here what was the reason you guys moved over here and then what why did you go back to England? Uh, well the the company my dad worked for uh, they bought a company in Colorado um, so they moved a load of the British people over there um, like I said they were they were a big well not huge but a, a fairly decent sized community of British people that all moved over uh, we were there for three years and then my dad got offered a better opportunity back home um, I think to be closer to family as well back here so, uh, a few years later. So how old were you then when uh, you guys made made the move over stateside? Uh, I was seven when we moved there and I was uh, just coming up to 11 when we moved back. So, uh, so two, two very tough ages to, to make that trip. Uh, it, it probably helped that there were some fellow Brits coming with you guys. I'm sure that helped some. Yeah, but they we all lived in different parts of like Colorado. So I didn't go to school with any of the, the British kids. I didn't know any of them other than when we'd all have like pretty much house parties, I guess. So um, like they'd pretty much throw British house parties a few times a year. Yeah. Um, and that's when we would see all the other British kids. But other than that, I didn't, didn't really okay. know anybody. So. Uh, my dad tells the story after my grandmother uh, came over to America after the war, cause she was a war bride. The mailman mm -hmm. noticed that her and a lady two blocks over were both getting mail from the UK. So he introduced them. Mm -hmm. And uh, they became yeah. lifelong friends to the point where, you know, to me, that was just Aunt Ruby. I think I was 12 when I found out we weren't related by blood, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but it was just the, uh, the mailman noticed it, introduced him and uh, the rest is history, I guess you could say. That's a, that's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, funny how other, other people getting involved a little bit. So. Yeah. So you discover the game of hockey when you're living here. Uh, did you start skating when you were in Colorado then, I'm assuming? Yeah, just on the street. So, okay. um, I, like I said before, played street hockey with my friends and obviously a couple of the Avalanche players' kids as well. Um, yep. some, of their, some of their dads would come out now and again and, and light us up. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just playing in street hockey pads um, and just on rollerblades. And for the first good few years after I came back, when I actually started playing, I was only, only playing roller hockey because it was easier to find that than to, uh, to Absolutely. find an ice rink at the time. So. Yeah, well, yeah, as long as you got pavement out in front of the house, you can play uh, street hockey. Uh, yeah. Wheels or not. Um, no, exactly. So you moved back to England. Uh, what was it like trying to, because you've got the bug then, uh, you know, yeah. how did you find a hockey community when you got back there? Um, I found a, like a roller hockey community just in the local, uh, like rec center they have uh i think it was every saturday or sunday afternoon they'd have a like a few hours of roller hockey and it was actually an established team but they'd practice out of this this sports hall mm -hmm. um so i kind of got into it from that again it was nobody that i went to school with it was completely separate so uh i didn't have anyone at, at school that i could necessarily connect with or talk to yeah. about it but um so definitely living living for the weekend or i could go out and like go out and play at, at the sports center but um yeah, and that 
I was quite fortunate that the year that I joined that, they were actually forming an under 12s team. So I was in my, I think I was 10 to 11 at the time. So yeah, um, actually got a chance to get into relatively competitive roller hockey like straight away. Yeah. So w- when did you first step on the ice then? Um, I tried out probably after about two or three years of, uh, of playing roller. So I was probably maybe 12 or 13 and it was different when you've never actually <laughs> slid before. Um, yeah. that, that was quite fun. I think the first time I tried to drop down, I actually kept going until I hit the sideboards. Um, <laughs> so that was different, but, um, I, I found it like quite easy to adapt to. Um, but at the time, the place I was trying out was quite political. And although I, I felt I was as good, if not maybe slightly better than the, one of the two goalies that was there, uh, their dads were the coaches. So yeah, that so there is, was no chance there. That's not unique to UK hockey. That, I think, is just youth sports in general across the globe, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and looking back now... As political may seem at the time, without the volunteers and the parents, there there wouldn't be junior sports. So you've got to give them a bit of credit. But at the time, it was a bit disheartening, and it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth about playing on ice. Um, yeah. So I went back and I played purely roller hockey until I was about uh, 21, 22. So you, you say until you were about 21, 22. Why at that point did you say, ah, let's give it a try again? Uh, well, I moved away from home like with my job. Uh, so I moved away. Um, I was much closer to an ice rink. Um, and just thought I'd sort of look into it again, um, just to see what, what was about and sort of found, a. In, I was living about 10 miles away from a place called Milton Keynes, which is where I subsequently live now. But, um, and they, they had like quite a good adult rec hockey, beer league hockey, uh, community. And I got a chance to sort of play like periodically there. And just a few years later, I got, sort of more and more involved in it as more teams kind of noticed that was I was all right as a goalie so I started getting a bit more ice time so well I I gotta imagine over there too it's just the fact that there was a goalie they were probably like we don't care the skill we we don't want to shoot at a board (laughs) you say that though but our our community in Milton Keynes we're overrun with goalies like if you're a a goal if you're a goalie coming into Milton Keynes now you've got no chance of getting ice time there's each team has got three or four goalies already oh wow for the beer league that's amazing yeah (laughs) um yeah because over here uh you know every team's lucky to have a goalie most goalies i know uh if they want to they could skate for two or three different beer league teams on different nights just because um but there's a lot more hockey over here too so yeah that that helps um the the rink i skate out of has eight sheets of ice um so there's there's a little bit of hockey being played back today i live in minnesota and the minnesota boys say high school hockey tournament is huge um in a normal year they saw at the xl energy center for the games or the wild play but Mm -hmm. due to covid um that there aren't fans other than mom and dad the stands for these kids uh (laughs) yeah so one of the local um stores where i live in white bear lake they are having an outdoor beer garden with a giant video board so that people can come and essentially tailgate, uh, even though we're nowhere near the XL Energy Center, but it's just like, yeah. all right, we're still going to get together. We're still going to, you know, enjoy the games together. Oh, that's it's great. Yeah. A little bit of a different way. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. In yeah. fact, um, in conjunction with the high school hockey tournament, they put on what's called the Let's Play Hockey Expo, or just as it sounds, it's a giant hockey expo. And I think it was two years ago, the... Uh, um, there's a fellow from the UK that does uh, hockey tutorials. He, his logo is like this goofy little rooster or something, but uh, he was mm-hmm. walking around getting video and uh, I know who he was, but I, I wasn't going to interrupt him. He, he just seemed to be in his, uh, his element running around, seeing all this stuff. He, he was definitely in awe. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I know, I know of the guy. Um, yeah. The st- stories I can tell you for another time, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll keep it, we'll keep it positive for, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So y- you start playing beer league hockey. Um, I I've played somewhat competitive. I, I made it up into college. I, I say I was a division three, uh, JV backup. Uh, so, you know, I, I made it that far, but it's not like I was good at that level. Uh, but I, <laughs> yeah. still, I, I played competitive, and now I play beer league and I'll say, you know, yeah, I miss the uh, certain aspects of the competitive side of it, but beer league hockey, I think is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm, 
I'm in that kind of in between bit at the moment where I've no in terms of a registered player I just play beer league but I've um spent time like practicing with pro teams and mm-hmm. sort of semi-pro teams over here and I'm uh, to a certain level can hold my own um yeah I spent a, a whole year with a pro team uh, just kind of practicing and towards the end of it was kind of staying afloat um and then the coach decides to throw me in for the last couple of minutes of a of a playoff semi-final game where there, there were a few goals up and the first time I've ever played in front of a, a packed house <laughs> and uh because of that there, there were people stood behind the glass so a guy chucks a puck in from the uh, from the red line which I lose track of and like yep. my one shot is a uh, is a goal from the red line so I've got a <laughs> I've got a zero percent save percentage in that in that league so, yeah, that's that's the highlight of my pro hockey career, really. Yeah, so. you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Pete, I think a lot of non-goaltenders don't understand, you know, what fans in the stands, how that can change the game for us, um, just all of that movement. It's kind of like in baseball over here, they have what's called the batter's eye behind, you know, in the stands where it's there's no seats, it's all green because all of oh, that yeah. movement players can't pick up the ball and it's kind of the same with uh playing goalie but they don't care about us so they just say ah whatever <laughs> yeah so no it, it didn't help this was the uh the last home game that this team was going to play before they moved up to a different league uh, a lot of the players were moving on at the end of the season um and yeah it was a they were heading to the the playoff weekend as well and i get told chris you're going in next whistle like no prep <laughs> whatsoever so uh i was already kind of bricking myself a little bit going into it so uh, yeah yeah it was wasn't, pro- wasn't the wasn't the the best moment but at the same time it probably was in terms of pro hockey <laughs> yeah but at the same time though probably better that he didn't give you any prep because it probably would have been worse yeah uh, i don't know what i'd have preferred i told him three times i was like are you sure like like the other guys playing fine. It's only, I think it was four one. I was like, just, just leave him in. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. You know what I love about situations like that though, is even though you're kind of the beer leaguer, that's just kind of the practice goalie for, for those guys. Once you're in the locker room, it doesn't matter. You're part of the team. At least that's been oh, yeah. my experience. Oh yeah, absolutely. And to the point where they lit me up at practice the next day, I think everything was going to the top glove where that yeah. goal went in during the game as well. So, uh, I was gonna say all, uh, their form of uh, endearment. Yeah, I was gonna say all shots were from the red line. <laughs> Pretty much for the first 10, 15 minutes, yeah. After that. So. You, you gotta love how hockey players uh treat each other. Um I, I've said for years, if they're not picking on you, calling you horrible things, then they haven't accepted you. Um, exactly. Yeah, and some people just don't understand it. Um yeah. <laughs> Uh, the worst thing that can happen is that you get left alone so if yeah. you've been left alone then you haven't quite made it with your teammates yet yeah the only time you want them to leave you alone is on game day if you're a goalie and they know you're yeah. starting you know because they, they know goalies need their time but at practice they better be bugging you and picking on you before after during <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i think it's the same all around the world yeah absolutely absolutely um you know so i i think a lot of my listeners are probably familiar with the way hockey is here in North America. You know, we have rinks pretty, I don't want to say all over the place because there are some rural areas where people have to travel, but it's pretty accessible. Um, The hockey uh, communities are pretty accessible. What's it like in the UK? You know, if a kid's watching a game on satellite TV, finds it and they're like, I want to start playing, but you know, where do they start? What's the structure like over there? um it's very sparse in comparison um i mean we for the the size of country that we've got we've got quite a few rinks um i don't know the exact number but um you know there's there's a lot for the the geographical area that we that we have um so you'll really have to drive more than an hour and a half maybe two hours um to find a rink um so but that being said there's there's just not as much of a setup you'll have each rink will maybe have one junior club set up um the odd the odd rink might have two if they're sort of sharing from nearby towns um but what most of the progression and sort of investment goes into junior hockey which is great over here so most rinks will have a learn to play setup um either run by a team or the rink will run it themselves Mm -hmm. which will go right from 
never been on skates before up to a almost like a, a figure skating grading system so you can yeah. go up the grades once you get to a certain grade then um depending on the age of the child obviously um they can go into like an under nines part of a team or under elevens, whatever's around in that particular that particular rink what teams they have uh, and it just goes from there but there's there can always be more development i mean we look at the coaching and the infrastructure that america and canada has and even places like sweden England, uh, and like over in mainland europe and uh, they're so impressive as to what we can get over here there's just not that much money into it there's um we have a coaching program but it's not it's not sort of world beating um i mm-hmm. think it's uh, sort of quite it's not great compared to obviously what you guys get in, in the U S or in Canada. Right. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities for kids. It's always getting better. Um, but you know, once, if you've been and seen like programs and how junior hockey is in other countries, and then you come back to the UK, you think it's uh, very clear much of a minority sport. It is. Well, in my understanding too, is, you know, hockey in the UK on the world level is still very much in that incubation stage. But um, last I read is, you know, the last world championships, they, they moved up, you know, in the tiers. And if I'm not mistaken, they're in the top tier now, aren't they? For yes. Now. <laughs> in the top tier, they, they made it up. Um, if we ignore 2020 where nothing happened. Um, right. <laughs> I think, I think it was 2018 uh, GB moved up to the top level and 2019 they actually I think they beat France in the last game to stay yeah. up yep um, so you know that's a, that's a great achievement and it did get a bit more publicity around the UK uh, but as a as a sport we don't feel like it was enough like there could have been an awful lot more made of that in in different parts of the media um, yeah you still had to look for it um, yeah. unless you found the headline on one of the like back pages of the newspaper or something or online, but um, so it is growing, it's getting better. And um, Pete Russell, the GB coach, who ironically was the guy that same guy that threw me in for the last two minutes of that game. Um, <laughs> he's, he's done an absolutely fantastic job with the GB team. He had a, he had his plan like five, six, seven years and he's, you know, he's working through it and I've got to give him a lot of credit for that. Um, but the, the sport could, could always have more publicity over here. It could always have more investment being put into it. Um, yep. or at least ways to drive the cost down because you know it's not a cheap sport anyway but over here especially with equipment costs because everything's mm-hmm. got to be imported yep um there's no affordable way to buy just your basic hockey equipment over here yeah well and even here stateside where you know a lot of it's made here in north america it's still ridiculously expensive you know i saw a gunzo's catalog which is an old uh, pro shop in the Chicagoland area, which is where I grew up. And it was a catalog from 1990 and it had some <laughs> junior pads for $225. And I remember those were the pads I got and, you know, $225 in 1990 wasn't cheap, but it was still reasonable. And yeah. now a pair of junior pads, you're closing in on a thousand dollars and it's just, they're almost pricing, uh, the average person out of the game when it comes to equipment, uh, you know, skates are closing in on a thousand dollars and sticks are a couple hundred bucks. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And oh, this, the shops over here have to have then the, the import costs and the duty and customs charges on top of that. Then they've got to make their three, 4% that they want to make on it as well. Um, yep. So it's, you know, it does price a lot of people out of the sport, especially in a country where, you know, football or soccer is the number one sport and, you know, is a fraction of the cost. Yeah. My, my dad always looked at me and he would, whenever he had to buy me equipment and uh, he'd go, couldn't you have just stuck with soccer? I would have bought you new shoes every year, the top of the line. And I'd still be ahead right now. <laughs> my, dad, my dad always used to ask me why I didn't become a swimmer. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, that's but, funny. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but I'd say cost is just the main thing that, that holds the sport back over here yeah and you know what that that's um that's true i think anywhere you go except for um i was doing a usa hockey goalie coaching class and they were talking about i think it is finland or sweden they have it set up where youth sports 
up until I think it's the age of 12 are essentially free. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than, you know, people buying new equipment all the time, once their kid grows out of it, they donate it to the association. So those younger kids always have equipment. It's, you know, f- for those kids who want to try the sport, but aren't sure if they're going to like it. It's a lot easier for mom and dad to say, okay, uh, if they're yeah. not spending all of this money. And uh, it was really interesting to see that uh, video that they shared. And every, all, all of us goalie coaches were sitting at looking at it going, ooh, that, that, that's kind of cool. How can, how can we get that going here? And the, the guy from USA Hockey was pretty um, up front. He goes, the way you sports are here, we're never going to be able to get that going. But look, it can be done. If, if yeah. we really want to, it can be done. Yeah, no, we're, we're the same here. There's, but it's just, just done on a, a club level. So yep. parents will just naturally get to know other parents and just hand stuff down um, to, you know, a younger, a younger kid, but it's the same. It's uh, there's no sort of unwritten rules or anything like that, or any, any kind of system in place to hand, hand equipment down. So it's all yep. just on the, the generosity of the parents that feel like doing it. So. Yep. We have that here too. A lot of the associations in Minnesota, they'll have uh preseason equipment swaps, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where, somebody their their kids saw patrick kane's wearing the newest pair of bauer gloves so they have to have them and uh so mom and dad bought them even though they had a pair that were only six months old so they're (laughs) like well what are we gonna do with these so you know some some people you know sell them really cheap some people will uh you know just say hey to a good home one of those things but a lot of the associations will have the equipment swaps and you know the other thing too is kids want their equipment to match their team colors and yeah (laughs) that's a good way good way to do it and that's one of the reasons i always went with black and white equipment didn't matter what team i was skating for or filling in for it was going to (laughs) match yeah that's what i did with my my last set was all retro brown yeah because it doesn't match anything so it goes with everything so yeah well (laughs) my first set of equipment it wasn't considered retro brown it was just brown because that was the only option yeah (laughs) um i uh i was i showed up to a beer league game early last summer um was it last summer or the summer before now gosh uh the summer before covid i'll put it that way and there was a high school team out there skating and they only had one goalie. So the coach asked if I wanted extra ice time. I said, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, it had been a while since I'd done, you know, a practice and just got shot after shot and didn't have yeah. to do all of that. So it was kind of fun, but we're, uh, at the, uh, benches while the coach is going over the next drill and the goalie kind of does one of these and looks behind at my pads and he goes, what's with all the buckles? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I don't know if you've seen on Instagram, but I'm still wearing a pair of Vons I bought in 1999. And oh, nice. you know, th- this kid had a pair of, you know, brand new uh, modern day pads where I don't even think he had one buckle. It was just all Velcro. I was like, well, buddy, th- this is how it used to be back in the days of, you know, 28 teams in the NHL. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I mean, I, I still can't get rid of buckles, even on uh, these ones behind me here. I've still got, they're, they're getting less, like each time I order some, there's a couple less buckles, but yep. I can't get, can't get rid of them altogether just yet. Yeah. I'm going back and forth. Uh, I've been putting a little bit away each paycheck. So that come October, I can order a new set of pads and I like the idea of only having maybe three Velcro straps for after a game, boom, 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 <laughs> get them off. Cause then it's uh, sooner into the parking lot for some post game sure. beers. <laughs> um, but I'm also like, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I need that security blanket of a couple buckles. Um, but I, I don't know if you follow the account goalie gear nerd, he and I have talked and when, when I'm ready to order pads, we're, we're going to converse of uh, what, what he believes I should look at for specs. Cause he, he understands the pads I have now. He understands yeah. my style of play and he's also played with the newer pads and understands mm-hmm. what will work better for me. And he and I both agreed. I'll probably have some buckles, but maybe not the eight I have now. <laughs> yeah. So just start bringing them down a couple at a time. So. Yeah. Well, on a lot of the pads now too, you can remove those straps too. If later on you decide, ah, I don't need this one. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it though. 
yeah, that's nah, good. Um, you mentioned goalie Gernard. I mean, that's a, a his page is a big reason why I sort of started the UK one. Um, yeah. I'm a massive admirer of just just the insight that he gets into goalie equipment. It's something I'm really envious that we can't we can't get the same kind of access over here that like him and guys like the goal net that yep. get in in America. I'm just really envious of the uh, you know the the insight that they get with the manufacturers and the relationships that they're able to build yep. over there. So. You know, and I I've talked to goalie gear nerd for the podcast and um, it was really weird because he signed on and had his video going and I went, well, clearly I can't use that part of it because he likes to keep his anonymity. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it, it was kind of fun to see the man behind the, uh, the logo. Um, but it, it's crazy. He's just, you know, a working dad who f- finds time to seem like he's always, on social media. And I even asked him, I was like, how do you find the time? And he said, he, he just has a really understanding wife. So yeah. when they're sitting there watching TV or something, she's okay with them, you know, over there typing away on his phone. Cause, uh, a lot of he, the other thing he's mentioned to me is so many people follow him. Now, when somebody sees something, uh, different on a goalie, they'll send him a DM like, Hey, have you seen this? So that's how he's been you know, how he finds quite a bit of his stuff too. But uh, yeah, I mean, anytime new equipment comes out, he does have these relationships with the manufacturers where he gets to try it out before we even know about it. Um, Or they're sending him the information about it, which is just awesome. Um, And uh, that's, that's something I'm, I'm never going to stop trying to push for over here. Um, Because I mean, I I have a a decent relationship with CCM in in Canada, but Mm -hmm. not to the point where, I get the same kind of treatment that guys like goalie gear nerd get. Um, and you speak to Bauer UK and they, they don't want to know. They're just not interested. Um, yeah. CCM, they have a UK company that has the license to distribute over here, but they don't actually have a presence. They don't have any reps over here at all. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, it's very difficult to even get close to the kind of insight that these guys are getting on, on your side of the pond. So it's, yeah, it's something I'm always, I'm always, pushing to try and get even if i have to try and bypass the uk kind of divisions of it um but it's just especially when my kind of my social media following is is still growing i mean it's been only nine months i've been running it so yeah not, not expecting to have magic overnight but um, right yeah if we can if we can get to the point where you know i'm getting similar treatment to some of these guys uh, just to bring the uk audience into it a little bit then i think that'll be that'll be a win for me. Absolutely. You know, um, and I, I think what's great too, is something we didn't have when we first started playing is because of the internet and social media, there's so much information out there, um, that it doesn't matter where you live. You can find the information, which is awesome. Um, where before it was, you know, what, what's, what's showing up on the back of my USA hockey magazine or, you know, that that's how you found out what the new, new stuff was, or, um, you know, what, what the local shop had. If you didn't have it, it, it's like, it didn't exist. I used to be so excited to go into the, the shop at the rink, uh, where, where my parents live and just look at the, the new catalogs for that year. Yep. Um, so you can see all the new coho stuff, all the heat and stuff at the time. So that that's, the only way I found out about any equipment at the time or, or what I saw in the NHL games. Yep. No, it, it was not uncommon where if I knew that we had an away game at a rink that had a pro shop, I was like, I want to get there early. I want to walk around and see what they have that they don't have at our rink, you know, is <laughs> exactly. um, cause as I mentioned, growing up in Chicago is a huge Eddie Belfour fan. Um, and I loved his black Christian goalie sticks. Mm-hmm. But our rink didn't carry them. They only carried the red. So every time we went to a rink, is like, do they have the black Christian six? I want a black Christian stick. Never got yeah. one. <laughs> Never got one. But uh, it was always on the hunt for one. So whenever we went to a new rink, it was like, maybe they'll have one. Where today, I, I would just go online and order it. You know, yeah. all right, how many do you want? We'll, we'll have them there in two weeks. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. No, I think I was, I was quite lucky in that respect that because obviously I was a massive Patrick Wah fan. And yeah. him being the the coho poster boy, yeah, and it, anything he wore that you could get, you could get something that looked the same as it. So I was, in terms of sticks and stuff, I was always quite happy that I'd got the one that looked like Patrick Wilde's goal stick. So. Yep, 
Yeah, I, I uh, when I was in college, I think we still had a few coho was sitting in the stick closet uh, that were being used. So to, today it would be a lot easier to keep in touch with the, the old neighbors, but have you been able to keep in touch with any of your old uh, neighbors from Colorado and, uh, you know, keep those friendships going? Um, not for a, a few years. Um, I went back in 2014 and um, met sort of my old neighbors and a couple of family friends and we just went out for dinner. Um, and that was really nice. But um, in terms of school friends, because it was such a long period of time before yep. social media became a thing, we just right. kind of lost touch a little bit there. But um, no, there's still some family friends that I've stayed in touch with like now and again and uh, hoping in the next couple of years to, to get back out there again at some point as well. Absolutely. Uh, whereas I'm the other way, I'm still hoping to get back to England yeah. <laughs> with, with, with now my kids to show them, you know, that this is where your great grandmother grew up, you know, that this is where your great grandfather fought in the war and all that good stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah. see if that happens. <laughs> uh, That'd be awesome. Yeah. It, it was funny when we were there, we, we spent almost the, we were there 10 days and we always spent a day and a half in London. And while we were there, the underground was on strike. So, uh, wow. Wherever we were, we saw got a good long look at it. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's it's good, but you can you can do London in a day. Oh like, yeah, for all the all the major things that you that you'd want to see in London, you can do that in a day. Yeah, well, in yeah. the idea of the trip too was to to meet the family, visit with them, you know, see see where my grandmother grew up. So it was really fun. She's from the Kingsland area, which mm-hmm. as you know is on the east coast, and uh, yeah. so we spent a few days at the beach swimming and all that good stuff. We went to a couple of the palaces. Is it Kensington or Sandringham that's out that way? Uh, you're testing me now. My British <laughs> history is, is awful. So I could probably tell you more about America than yeah. like in the UK. I, I know it's one of the two because we visited both, but the one that's out there, um, I, I remember uh, we start touring and in one of the rooms, I quick hit, I hit my dad's arm. I was like, look, look, they had a Cooper hockey puck sitting on the table. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now in terms of, in terms of UK landmarks, I'm, I'm useless. I, I could <laughs> to tell you more about US landmarks than I could the UK. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you spent your formative uh, history learning years in the US. That's why. Yeah. Uh, seemed to be more interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. Th- th- there wasn't as much to learn. So it's a little easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was it. Yeah. Uh, so outside of the game of hockey, you know, what, what keeps you busy? Um, hockey takes up most of the time, to be fair. I mean, obviously I have my, my day job, so that keeps yep. me busy nine to five. Um, but in a, in a normal year, like when there's, there's hockey going on, I'm, I'm at the rink five, six nights a week. Um, I sort of have my main team that I practice with. I'll quite often fill in with one or two teams in practice as well. Um, but then I, coach the junior goalies. Um, I coach an adult like development team. Uh, so like a beer league team of people that got into the sport quite late and they're sort yep. of learning their skills at a bit of a, a later age. So I, I coach and manage that team. Um, and I coach the, the women's sort of elite league team as well. So, um, so I'm, that pretty much fills up my week a lot of the time. So Nothing anytime I can, anytime I can get just to chill at home and watch TV, I'm, I'm all for it. So I'm yep. quite lazy when I don't have hockey going on. So. Well, and probably like a lot of the goalies I talk to, your idea of chilling out and relaxing is watching hockey or oh, yeah, something hockey related. <laughs> so uh, it, it truly is a lifestyle that um, some people don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I naturally study it a lot as well. So I'm always sort of studying what, you know, the, the top level of goalies are doing not only for myself but if there's things that I can sort of adapt and sort of show to the younger goalies if it's something that can like progress their game and things like that so I, I think as a as a player and a coach you can never stop learning so no I'm absolutely a bit, a, a bit of a nerd in that way yeah well the the game has evolved so much if you're not following along it's going to pass you by yeah. um you know when I first started playing like I said I wore brown goalie equipment because that was the only option, but we were being taught, you know, legs together, don't go down, you know, yeah. that, that kind of way. And then this fellow named Dominic Hasha comes on the scene, <laughs> paddle down, rolling around. And that suited my style better. And so I emulated yeah. some of that stuff and 
goalie coaches and regular coaches just hated me. <laughs> They're like, yeah. you can't be doing this. Like, but I'm stopping the puck. Um, you know, and it wasn't until I got to college where my goalie coach there, um, you know, it wasn't that he was going to change the way I played. It was, he, he wanted to work with the way I played. Uh, yeah. And it's like, that's what I needed. Somebody say, okay, keep doing that. But rather than do paddle, it's a lot like I see goalies with the RVH right now. They can do it, mm -hmm. but know when to do it. And, and that's yeah. where, where I struggled is knowing when to do certain things. And that's where uh, Donnie really helped me. Uh, yeah, it's just about making your up. game efficient. Yep, exactly. It, it, save selection. That, that's the term we hear today. It's no yeah. using the right save selection at the right time. Yeah, um, and that's a that's a big thing that um I I've worked quite a lot with uh, with you and King over the past couple of years as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a a big thing for for you and how he coaches is just to build that toolbox. Yep. Of, uh, of techniques and saves and um building the scenarios of the the best ones to use at, at which time so it's uh kind of em embracing how the goalie is and just adding as many tools to that toolbox as possible absolutely it's uh you know and also sometimes knowing that for certain situations there's more than one option uh and it's good to know that because a perfect example i'll never forget in college we were playing uh university of st thomas two guys coming down on a breakaway they pass it over and i make a split save well, later in the game, same two guys are coming down and I'm going, okay, they saw me do the split save. So that, that that's one tool in my toolbox was like, nope, they're probably going to go high this time. So I stacked the pads and I, it was just knowing what was in my <laughs> toolbox and knowing, yeah. uh, you know, th there were multiple tools to use in those situations. Having a two pad stack in the toolbox is never a bad thing ever. But. Yeah. It, <laughs> two pad stack in the beer league is always fun to pull out too. Yeah. Um, guys uh they get upset that they didn't put the puck in the net but they don't get upset that you stopped them with the two pad stack yeah. oh, you can't be mad, can you? <laughs> no uh and it's funny because I, I think back to when i went to goalie clinics we were taught how to two pad stack and how to properly yeah. recover and, um i don't know if you listen to the in goal media podcast at all but um kevin woodley picked up the game later on in life and he's like i don't even know how to do a two-pad stack i've never been taught yeah. how to do one i'm going oh i could teach you kevin <laughs> you know yeah i, I had to do it over and over and over <laughs> repetitively for hours at times <laughs> yeah no, i normally with with my junior goalies i normally throw that in as a bit of fun at the end but it you know it teaches them how to get up from it but we teach it as like here just do it at the end we're just gonna line you up on your goal post and you're just gonna slide across just if you save it, you save it. If you don't, you don't. But it's uh, it's a bit of fun. But actually, you know, is a bit of a lesson hidden in there as well. So. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know, it's it's just another one of those tools. Uh, you know, a lot of people look at Mark Andre Fleury and they think of you know his desperation saves he makes. Yeah, they're desperation saves, but they're based on techniques he's learned. Yeah. Um, you know, and some techniques that are unfortunately going by the wayside. Um, yeah and yeah I, I enjoy watching that a lot more than uh one thing i used to hate was goalies that wanted to be like jonathan quick and from a, a goalie coach's point of view it's an absolute nightmare because a lot of his saves that you see on tv are based out of bad positioning mm -hmm. um but you know it it works for him and he's, he's made a success out of it and that's that's great but it's for me it's not something that you want to teach or ingrain into a goalie to right be to the point where you have to make desperation saves because your positioning is so bad so you know I, that was probably a great thing that my goalie coach um instilled in us when i was just a little guy you know squirt so that was uh fifth grade i believe it was uh you know he said those huge big saves he goes they look cool but they were out of position it was a desperation save you need to learn how to make it look boring uh, yeah. and, and he always used Patrick was the example, you know, Patrick made some really cool desperation saves, but at the end of the day, he was kind of boring to the untrained eye to watch because yeah, his it's always just a, was so on point, just a chest behind the puck kind of goalie. So. Yeah. You know, and it, it was like, huh, there's something about that. And then, you know, it was the nineties where I've said it to the past couple podcasts, every goalie looked different, played a different game. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, the goalie coach told us, he goes, take the style of goalie, your favorite goalie plays and forget about it. 
because you can't play that way. They get away with it because they're pros. They have the skill. You guys don't have the skill. That's why you're here to see me. And it was like, oh, (laughs) brutally honest, but true. Yeah. Somebody's (laughs) got to say it sooner or later, haven't they? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we we were in Chicago in the mid to early 90s. So we all loved Eddie Belfour and his giant five hole. And he's like, no, you guys can't play that way. Uh, (laughs) don't, Don't try it. Don't emulate it, you know, and so instead my style is a little more like Curtis Joseph meets Dominic Hoshik. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little bit back in the crease and whatever it takes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I don't know uh, how much you've listened to the podcast, but I like to close them out with a uh, series of rapid fire questions. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the, the first one is what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days? And it could be something you did, something an opposing coach did, uh, just craziest coaching moment you've experienced. Um, I think would be Pete Russell throwing me in for that last <laughs> two minutes of that uh, playoff semifinal game. So uh, yeah, not for me to question him, but at the time that seemed like an absolute crazy move to throw in a, a beer league goalie and a, a pro hockey semi-final game so. yeah when it was that close too you know it's not like they had yeah. a seven eight goal lead he just no nah. i mean it was it's comfortable then feel comfortable at the time yeah <laughs> um so what's your favorite all-time goalie mask um patrick was second colorado mask so not the one from the season he got traded but yep. the one that he wore for i think a good sort of five, six years after that, just with yeah. the, the avalanche or snow crashing down it. Um, that's what I based a lot of my masks on. I've always got the mountains on the side of my masks. Like there's a bit of a tribute to that. Yep. The mountains of England, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite rink that you've played at? Uh, that I've played at? Um, tricky. I know this is quick fire, but that's a difficult question. Um <laughs> quite lucky that the the rink we have in Milton Keynes is probably one of the best purpose-built rinks um, in the UK. Um, so I'd say either that or um, if we can throw it to roller hockey. Um, I played yeah. for GB when I was 17 or 18 and we played at the uh, the London Knights Arena in Ontario. So that oh, was, very cool. Yeah, obviously not much of a crowd there for a, a junior roller hockey tournament, but uh, that was yeah. a, a pretty big deal at the time as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm always a big fan of the, the older barns that have character. You know, some of them, w- when you break it down, are really a piece of junk, but oh yeah, the history and the atmosphere is just awesome. Yeah, I could tell you some stories about some of the rinks over here that perhaps don't have the... Uh don't have the history but definitely have the character to them <laughs> yeah I, I remember when we were visiting my my uncle sense I, I just I needed to skate it'd been too long and so I, I want to say is at least an hour and a half drive but we drove to Peterborough and I got to skate at their rink and we walk in and it, it had a smell to it that um, it was almost like caramel corn popcorn uh, I, I don't yeah. know what it was and it had a smell and it, it was just a funky looking arena, but I was like, all right, this is cool. I like it. Yeah. They've probably not changed it one bit since then. Either. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely one of the roughest ones that we have over here. Yeah. I, I just remember everything was painted blue. Um, yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. And it still has the, uh, the wooden dashes along the, uh, the tops of the boards there. So. Oh boy. Yeah. And varnished wood. wood. Uh, I'll have to see if I can, uh, scrounge up the picture because we went to open skate and I had to wear whatever crappy rental skates they had because I clearly didn't bring my goalie skates with me and (laughs) um but yeah there I was at open skate out there and it felt good for an hour just to go skating and then of course to make my sister happy we had to go to the mall (laughs) yeah (laughs) better balance yeah I I I I didn't care We, we went to the mall after I skated so I was happy and I wore my Eddie Belfour jersey out there and but yeah. there, there's a picture of me skating out, out in Peterborough somewhere. Oh, nice. Um, well, ne- next time I head up there, I'll have to get a picture for you so you can see how much it hasn't changed since then. <laughs> I, I believe it. Um, <laughs> so what is your favorite stick that you've ever used? Um, that's tricky. Uh, I mean, for years, I've just used a Patrick White replica. Um, and custom sticks that I got since then were all, all sort of based on that. Um, but in all honesty, the, the newest one that I have, I have a the ccm axis stick with uh sort of my own custom curve and grip on it uh, which i was sort of 
lucky enough to get some strings pulled at CCM for. Um, it's the first composite stick that I've actually stuck with. Um, I was a uh, stubborn and trying to stick with the foam core sticks for so long. Uh, but the, the CCM axis stick, and I'm not just trying to plug anything or big yeah. up CCM, but it's actually the nicest stick I've ever used. It's got a bit of a bit of a foam core feel to it, but like with the lightness of a little composite. I'm still using a foam core, so I, I'm, I'm with you on being stubborn. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever stuck with a composite. So yeah. I found, finally found one that, that feels okay. Now, you mentioned you have a custom grip. Is it a trigger grip? Is it just more tacky? What's would you have modified? Um, it's based on the uh, UC Saros grip. Okay. So um, they sort of let me pick from uh, a list of sort of grips that the NHL guys use. Um, and it's, uh, if you give me two seconds, I can probably show you. Yeah, you absolutely. Okay, so yeah, it's actually based on um, Ryan Miller's like phone call pro returns, um, which, you know, obviously very difficult to get a hold of, but um, yeah, yeah. it's basically just a, a super steep um, yeah. shoulder. I see that, yeah. So, um, so yeah, other than that, there's not, not a huge of uh, anything special to it, but um, it's just a bit steeper than a normal steep shoulder, um, mm -hmm. and it brings sort of the paddle length down a little bit as well. So, but um, yeah, it's just trying to get as close to that ryan miller foam core that i'd found a few years ago uh but obviously they wouldn't make anymore so yeah i i know that i'm gonna have to probably soon go to a composite stick although the christian hockey brand is back and i believe they're making foam cores so i, I might have to break down and order some custom sticks uh see if you can get that black christian stick so. yeah oh yeah they they offer uh custom coloring so it would be black with the white lettering that i okay. always wanted it just would gotta take take that off your list yeah exactly uh see see if they've still got the old belfort pattern curve laying around that they could throw on there because oh, yeah. uh that, that thing was like a hook it, i mean it, it was a mid curve i believe and uh you could sling some pucks if you tried yeah now if you can get it i, I definitely if i could still get a patrick wah like coho foam core stick i'd be all over it yep yeah, absolutely. So what is your favorite youth hockey memory or hockey memory for that fact? Uh, youth hockey, um, probably be playing for like roller hockey for GB. Um, mm -hmm. So I was in the, I think it was under 18s or under 19s. Um, and that was an experience of a lifetime. I mean, especially having only really played in the UK to get to travel and play in these big arenas, um, getting to play against the USA and Canada mm -hmm. um, was fantastic. Um, as an adult, for me, it's got to be as scary as an experience it was going back to that being thrown in for that last team yeah. to that uh, that game in like a pro league. Um, you know, it didn't didn't go perfectly by any means, but just to just to kind of spend a year with those guys and then finish the season actually on the ice with them was was something pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can only imagine how fun it was too. You know. Oh yeah being out there no. even though you let the one shot in i'm sure the guys just huddled around you afterwards just happy to see you get out there yeah some guy had the the goal to give me the puck after the game as well <laughs> thinking that i wanted to see it again so I, like, I, I mean I, I kept it but i didn't want to look at it for a good hour or so after the game oh that, that's <laughs> funny again going back to the way hockey players treat each other it's like yeah the, the one shot let's give you that puck yeah so um, this is that thing you should have saved like 10 minutes ago yeah <laughs> Yeah, th this is what it looks like. And so yeah. next next time you're out here, get in front of it, right? Yeah, try and see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice? Um, or in the locker room? That's a tough one. Like UK guys, like not to give anyone any hassle, but the chirping isn't on the same level over here. It's not great. <laughs> um, just be the just your typical ones about like the ref like losing his phone because he's missed so many calls. Um, yeah your typical ones there we tend to recycle ones we've heard elsewhere so yeah it's not, not a great answer to your question but no so for the life of me can't think of a, a great one that i've heard first off as an avalanche fan you'll you'll remember the name sean podine um so he is the cousin of an old neighbor of mine and the neighbor was telling me that when sean was traded from colorado 
uh, their first game, his first game against the Avalanche, uh, every time he skated by the bench, they would pick on him. Yeah. Uh, and he had this dog that he absolutely loved, Buddy. And the one time he's skating by the bench, and I don't remember who yelled it out, but they looked at him and they're like, hey, Sean, Buddy's a homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as the story goes, he just kind of stopped and looked at him like, of all the things, just like, that's yeah. what you're – and it, it was just like, yep, th- that was what was going to throw him off of his game. Because it's like, like <laughs> where does that come from? It, it, it offends yeah. absolutely nobody, but it was just so out of left field that it was funny. Just try harder, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's the worst post-game beer you've had? Not so much a beer, but actually the, a year I spent uh, playing with a team in Peterborough not that long ago is uh full of eastern european guys and mm-hmm. instead of passing out beers after the game they'd literally just pass around a bottle of vodka or a bottle of uh any kind of eastern european liquor that they could find um yep. so given that i had the, about an hour to drive back to my place i kind of politely declined it but um yeah so it would either be the the really small really strong eastern european beers or just a bottle of vodka going around the changing room after the game so yeah i i remember the, the first night we we were in england and we were so jet lagged because we had flown from chicago to toronto from toronto to heathrow and then drove from heathrow to king's lynn so it was a long day to say the least yeah. and we walked up to the the pub and i'm i'm falling asleep sitting at the pub and my <laughs> uncle fred brings my dad a bitter beer and he goes nephew try this and the face my dad made, I'll never forget it. He, he, he's like, that is the worst beer I've ever had. My uncle knew he wouldn't like it, but he thought it was going to be funny. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's just a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, when you tape your goalie stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Heel to toe. Okay, you're like most of us. I always like to ask that question to find those few that go toe to heel so I can ask, what are they doing? I don't think I could do it that way. No, I, I'm the same way. Uh, I, I don't even want to try. Um, what's your favorite number to wear and why? Um, obvious reasons, 33. Um, yep. Used ever since I started. Um, and obviously because of Patrick Roy. So yeah. Very, very easy answer to that one. <laughs> I was going to say, looking over your shoulders, I, I knew what the yeah. answer would be, but uh, I ask it to everybody. So I wanted to ask you. So what is your advice uh, for young goaltenders? Um, I think it's just to never stop watching other goalies. I never stop finding things to learn um, and never think that you've learned everything that you can learn about being a goalie. Um, I think that it's very clear to see the the goalies that work hard to get better Mm -hmm. and to learn the game and to learn their position. Um, It's very easy to pick them out in comparison to the ones that, you know, they'll play PlayStation every evening and then they'll show up to practice once a week and just put their leg pads on. It's, it's very obvious and there's a very clear trend as to which ones will go further as a goalie mm-hmm. and which ones will kind of drop off after junior hockey. So yep. yeah, yeah. Just that, just never stop studying and never stop like learning more about your position. It's, all, it's always changing. I, I had the uh, pleasure of having my college goalie coach on one of my earlier episodes and my freshman year, we had 26 goaltenders trying out for six positions. Wow. And I made the final cut. You know, I, I was the sixth goalie taken. I wasn't the sixth best goaltender, though. I know that. And I asked him, I was like, what on God's green earth were you guys thinking? And, and he kind of said the same thing. Is It's sometimes not always about the skill. It's about what are you putting in? What's your drive? You know, and... Uh, so I, I looked at him and said, so I, I was right all along. I, I was chosen because I was a good locker room guy. <laughs> he started laughing, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but it, I, I joke about it and there's truth to that. You know, if, if you're going to be that number three goalie on the team, you got to be the goalie that's trying the hardest, pushing those other two goalies. But you also got to be that guy that understands his role is the number three goalie and be that locker room guy, kind of be, be that goofball in the locker room and, play into the stereotype that goalies are weird because it keeps the team loose. Yeah. Now you've always got to be the guy that the team want to have around. Right? Yeah. You know? Um, so where can uh, folks find you online if they want to follow you, learn more about uh, hockey in the UK or anything like that? 
Yeah, so we're on at UK Goalie Network uh, on Instagram, and we I try to keep the the content as fresh as possible. Obviously, with very little hockey in the UK at the moment, it's uh, it's a bit tricky. But with this time of year, there's always new equipment coming out. So mm. uh, try my best to keep to keep people updated, especially in the UK, as to to what's around, what's coming on the market, and just to try and you know expand people's knowledge on on a lot of like goalie equipment in the UK, what goalies are doing. Um, we do a bit on sort of off ice rehab as well, especially with uh, hip surgery, something that's uh, quite sort of relevant to me at the moment. Um, but yeah, we just try and keep it as uh, as interesting and, and varied as possible. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the hip surgery because I, I almost forgot to ask about that. Uh, so f- for folks that don't follow you, um, you had hip surgery recently. In fact, we were going to record a couple of weeks ago, but... Um, yeah, uh, the day the, I came out of hospital. <laughs> yeah, the, the way... Uh, the medical uh, world works in the UK. You don't always get a couple of weeks notice before your surgery. So I, the yeah. week of you sent me a, a message like, Hey, can we, we push it back? And you know, the hockey player me want to be like, no, the podcast comes first, reschedule your surgery, <laughs> uh, but absolutely rescheduled. So what did you have done? And was it because of hockey that you had this injury? Um, well, to answer your second question first, uh, yeah, we've <laughs> had um, I had a, a labrum repair on my right hip. So apparently kids that play sport from a young age, they're more susceptible to have a almost like a little kind of bone growth at the top of the femur where mm-hmm. in the sport that we do, where your legs sort of flare out quite a lot, that can quite often hit the top of the labrum, which protects the hip joint and cause tears. So um, just through wear and tear, I had that. And then I actually put a big tear in the labrum a couple of years ago, just when I was stretching pre-game, just went a bit too far into the splits too quickly. Um, and it just, that little bony bump on the, on the femur just knocked the top of the labrum and put a, a big tear in it. So um, I spent a good sort of year and a half, like just doing physio and rehab, sort of trying to take care of it. And it was okay um, for a certain amount of time, but with the stop start of hockey last year with the, uh, the pandemic and quarantine and everything, um, it just aggravated it too much to the point where physio wasn't staying on top of it anymore. So surgery was the, was the smartest option. And I, I know uh, in following you that you've been in contact with Maria Mountain and she's had some great um, programs and stuff for goalies that have essentially had this surgery. So uh, yeah, no, she's, uh, she's been really good. And she was, she was kind enough to do a, a Q and a for our Instagram page a while back as well. So uh, yeah, now the, the information that she's put on there has been, has been really, really useful to help with my rehab. Yeah. She, she's phenomenal. Um, definitely one of those, I, I, I think I say this about darn near everybody I have on the podcast, but one of those people forever in the same city, I want to get, get together, have a beer and just continue talking goaltending. Uh, oh yeah. We've already said once it's, once it's safe to do so, she comes back over that uh that dinner's on me effectively so we've made that deal so yeah absolutely um so you told us where to follow you um i feel a little guilty uh that i didn't get an order in uh but people should follow you get some of the great uh uk goalie network merch um the sweatshirt looks great and uh the only reason i didn't put an order in is because i am like you said i'm saving up for that new set of equipment for the first time in uh since the 90s and so that that's where all my discretionary money is going right now and but oh i totally totally get it yeah come october after i put that order in and pay for it uh my my wardrobe's going to expand exponentially my wife's going to be wondering what's going on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anytime we'll hook you up anytime yeah um so chris i appreciate you taking time out of your uh your weekend uh, Easter weekend nonetheless. Uh, so thank you for doing that. No, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. I really enjoyed talking to Chris. If you haven't already checked out the UK Goalie Network on Instagram, do yourself a favor and follow him now. It's UK Goalie Network, no spaces. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Washed Up Goalie. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights when I get a chance to play, and of course, all podcast episodes. 
If you want some washed up goalie or tendy talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show. The BLPA Big Show is a couple of beer leaguers chatting about beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. The show is hosted by Nick Jones and Trish Dangles, with co-hosts filling in from time to time as well. Nick just returned home from Calgary about two, three weeks ago after hosting a number of weekend draft experience tournaments here in the States. So upcoming episodes are bound to have some stories related to those tournaments. I need to thank the band, The Zambonis, for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to for future episodes as well. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. You got picked last for every game. Nobody ever knew your name. You close your eyes and dream of change. And then one day on TV, you watched a game. Of hockey, you told your friends that will be me. That's when your life changed, your world was rearranged, jumped off the bench and got right into the game.